Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. This is the Freelance Forum Autumn 2021 podcast series. Over the years, the Freelance Forum has been made possible by support from the National Union of Journalists and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. This is episode 34, featuring highlights of a recent webinar with Stephen Matheson, talking about how to approach editorial work for companies, NGOs and governments. So I'm Steve Matheson. Um, I've been a journalist um, since the late 1990s, um, specialising in technology, government, healthcare and data. And I also run training sessions on data journalism and how to work as a freelance, um, and um, both for the NEJ and for universities. Um, I've also been doing increasing amounts of corporates work, and I am going to define that a bit more carefully in a moment. In a nutshell, that's journalism-like work for non-publishers, just really, really broadly. What I'm going to try and do today is give you as good an overview of this kind of work as possible. So start by trying to define this somewhat amorphous term that I've used here. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm defining it as using the editorial skills that we all have as, as journalists or broadcasts or photographers or image makers or whatever, that, whatever else um, for organisations' marketing efforts. And that's really broad. Some of the things that can include there more specifically um, can certainly include um, customer case studies. That's a very common one. Um, the sorts of things you might get sent as a press release or see on a company's website about how they have served a certain client. Uh, another very common one, which I'll talk more about, is ghostwritten um, opinion articles, sometimes known as thought leadership um, in marketing jargon. Um, and this is where you see something that's, um, that's written by the chief executive of a company um, sharing um, his or her opinions on uh, the state of their industry or whatever else. Um, that might be written directly by that person. Very often there's a freelance writer behind it um, to, uh, to make it work. Um, can also can include, to get sort of work up the scale of project sizes, things like white papers, which are sort of generally... I guess you could define them as sort of opinion um, um, papers by a company, more broadly talking about um, a topic of some kind. Um, and to go further again, to, in terms of project size, it can include um, substantial publications, annual reports, um, often quite big things for an organisation to do, um, or indeed other sort of research-based reports. Um, so it's, it's a wide range of things. Um, it's a subset of what's involved in public relations and marketing more generally. And I don't claim to be an expert on the whole um, area. Um, and there are also other kinds of commercial writing. Um, a really interesting one I think at the moment that's growing a lot is UX and user experience. And that's basically writing the words that you see on a website or an app. Um, these used to be written by programmers. Um, programmers are not necessarily um, the very best people to do that, and there are now writers who are specialising in, in, in exactly that. Um, like I say, I'm going to be focusing on the sorts of things I've just outlined there, um, things which essentially look pretty much like um, journalism-style work, but for a different different purpose. Uh, so why why do corporate work? Well, corporate work is well paid, but certainly, certainly can be. Um, if you want an idea of the sort of amounts... The uh, London Freelance Branches Freelance um, Fees Guide, which you might be familiar with. Um, if not, just search on, on that phrase, um, a London Freelance Branch Freelance Fees Guide. 
the current recommendation is to charge between um, 400 and 700 pounds a day for writing and researching brochures and annual reports, um, 350 to 850 for corporate journalism, um, photography 880 a day um, uh, and upwards, and from um, in terms of um, organising it even more again. And I mean, essentially, what that means is you could spend a couple of days a week working at some, you know, fairly modest rates um, doing this sort of thing, um, and make a decent earning working that sort of part-time way. Um, or if you did it full-time, you could be making, well, certainly on freelance journalism terms, decent money. Um, it's not the only reason by any means. Um, stability is quite a good factor for this. Corporate clients are often, not always, but often open to long-term planning. Not usually on your first job, but over time they certainly can be. You can quite often, and certainly I do this with at least one client, um, have a plan that works for the whole year um, and a payment schedule that works for the whole year, which is pretty good. Um, and that uh, does wonders to cash flow, nothing else. Um, and you might find you can get that from more conventional freelancing, um, but it can be harder. Scale can be a factor here, um, particularly the way that journalism has gone over the last few years with reduced budgets or at least you know, ones that aren't increasing. Um, often it's quite hard to do a large project. It's just not going to be funded. Um, Organisations, particularly companies, may well fund things, do things which just aren't likely to happen in any, any other place. One that I never really thought of before was um, access. But it is one thing I've, I've found is that if you're working essentially for an organisation and they have copy control and so on, is they are generally fairly happy to let you talk to the people you need to talk to, people who might well not talk to journalists writing professional journalism. And you might sometimes find, I certainly do, that some of these people are very smart people, lots to say and very interesting. And I mean, sort of the connected, I guess, is there can be a lot of job satisfaction in this. Finding this work, so trying to go through the process. So it's, 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 it's not that easy finding, I guess, journalism and, 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 and the like at the best of times, but um, it, it, it's generally harder to find corporate work, but there are some, some places to look. There are um, a few um, online services that do this. There's um, a US one called Contently, um, uh, there's um, uh, an online service called You Know Juno. Um, Contently tries to um, match um, freelance writers to companies that are looking to run a project. Um, and then when, it, when it's attempted to match you up, then you then have to discuss online with the, with the client. And Contently takes a fee from these clients to have, provide the platform as well. Um, you know, Juno, I think at the moment is only covering copywriting, which is one type of corporate work, um, but certainly is worth having a look at um, in terms of what it, what it does. So that's, those, those online platforms maybe um, are certainly worth looking at. Um, um, what we might know as PR firms, what normally nowadays will call themselves communications consultancies or something like that, will very often commission this work on behalf of clients. So... Uh, you may well know some people working in, in PR or comms, um, and they may well be, they may well come to you, in fact, if they know you and, uh, and think you're able to do a good job. Um, 
and uh, they're definitely one one way to find this sort of work. Again, as you'd expect, they, they will take um, a cut if you do this with them, because you're supplying a supplier essentially. Um, they, they are they are they they're, they're standing in, in in between you and the, uh, the client, and they they will almost certainly do some of the the work involved um, of of editing, and may well you'd hope to do it, do it fairly well actually. So um, they could well be a, a good a good port of call um, to get this kind of, this kind of work going. Um, there's something very specific on public sector contracts, um, and I'm mentioning this because it, they're quite, it's quite interesting and it's a very structured process. Um, and you do, sometimes, you do sometimes see um, contracts that are offered um, by public authorities, which is a technical term for any bit of the state sector um, in, in, in any um, European country, um, for communications like services. They tend to be fairly big projects. I, I doubt, I don't normally see things on, 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 on these sorts of services which are for writing a relatively small amount. It might be, could you provide a, a service which lasts over six months or a year or something like that? But because it's something more substantial can be quite interesting, particularly if the public sector is an area of interest. Um, in the Republic of Ireland, um, etenders.gov.ie, um, I think that's, that looks like it's the single portal to which everything goes. Um, in the UK, um, for the smaller scale projects, um, certainly up to um, six figures, gov.uk slash contracts dash finder. Um, and that one, that, that second one also provides links to um, um, specific ones for the devolved administrations, including Northern Ireland, um, which can be worth, which be worth looking at as well. Um, it's quite often the case that organisations, local authorities and so on, have um, a web page where they have some guidance for suppliers um, and sometimes they, they also post their own. Um, the, the law um, which applies um, in the Republic of Ireland and um, did apply in the UK up to Brexit, and actually the UK has just kept rolled this forward and essentially it's still the same rule, is basically that any public sector contract um, by law has to be advertised online with um, absolutely clear deadlines, criteria, can include percentage scores um, saying we will give X percent for this factor, Y percent for that. And the idea being that procurement processes are meant to be as, as clean and open as possible, which is a great, which is an advantage if you are trying to get into doing work for organisations. Um, so, um, if that's an area of interest, you know that's where where to look. Um, um, and uh, yeah, etenders.gov.ie um, uh, is the place to start. It, it's it's run by the Office of Government Procurement. Um, as the government department, which sort of manages this um, this this whole whole process, um, and um, um, you might sometimes hear the term um, OJU, um, Official Journal of the European Union, um, which is ultimately where all these contracts um, are, are generally published if they're above a certain size. And if they're a smaller one, they often follow the OJU process. But don't worry too much about that. Just just the the kind of the EU kind of um, backing, which means every 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 EU country, and like I say, effectively the UK still has the same rules, has these very, very clear procurement rules. Um, so that's just to mention very, very quickly on public sector procurement. Could well be interesting, um, I think probably for slightly larger projects. Um, then there's the option of approaching potential clients directly. So the sorts of organisations that might buy this. Um, that, that's probably the best way to do this because if you're supplying your client directly, 
there's not there's no intermediary. Um, it can work better um, with um, larger organisations. Certainly, those organisations that have an in-house team that manage these sorts of things, um, because they know what they want. So they provide the editing functions. Sometimes, the smaller organisations, you know, it might be better to work through um, a PR firm who can provide the sort of editing and management of you that um, is, is is useful. Um, the, the downside is that smaller organisations might be more likely to commission freelancers directly. So there are, there are pros and cons. Um, final thing to say is, is to be open for business. And just to sort of, I guess, define that. So it's not so different to, or not at all different to what you might do as a freelance journalist, but particularly what to do this is it makes sense to have a website and or a LinkedIn profile that says what you do and that it is sort of business-like and so on. Um, it makes sense to look for queries coming in by phone or via email and answering them quickly and enthusiastically. Um, and the reason I've got a picture of some jam jars there um, is because basically it makes sense to always be open um, for, for queries. Um, there was uh, someone I met um, uh, who delivered services to, I think it was an investment bank in London, and he got that um, by talking to someone at a farmer's market in London. So hence the farmer's market there. Now, I guess that's fairly unusual, but it's about being always alert to the possibility, essentially, of, of, um, of being open for, for, for new business. And certainly if you're approached to respond enthusiastically in, in, sort of, basically in a sort of customer service kind of, kind of fashion. In terms of the next stage that I suppose, and some of you might recognize this from some of my other training courses, um, but this, this also certainly applies for corporate work. Um, is, is do you want the work? Um, uh, as, a, as a sort of a general rule, I always say, that basically, do you want to be owed money by this organisation because there will be a gap between you invoicing and getting paid? Um, and at that point, you really don't want to go out of business. Uh, definitely makes sense to look at the NUJ's talk to us first list, um, which again is on the London Freelance website. That is more for publishers rather than corporate work, but it essentially includes um, anyone at the NUJ believes you should talk to the office first about. Uh, probably for legal reasons, it doesn't say why, but I would suggest that if you, they are on that list, you should get in touch and find out why they believe you should check in first before signing up to work for a certain client. Um, it might be a number of things, but it's certainly worth asking. Um, and the second point about this, and this, I guess, this particularly applies to corporate work as opposed to working for more conventional um, uh, journalist um, style organizations is are you happy to work with them? Um, in regards to whether the money is great, I, 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 I don't think it makes any sense unless you really need money to work for a client you, you hate and just don't, a company or an organization that you really don't like. Um, I mean, firstly, it'll make you miserable, but also I don't think it's going to be very easy to do a good job for them. If you really have no sympathy for, you know, for what they do, um, one thing I, I kind of recommend to people is to, before you sort of start on this, you could try making a list of organisations or, or sectors that you really don't want to work for, just to give you a starting point before you start looking for this kind of work, um, just to give you an idea. And also, you know, that then that makes you think, okay, I wouldn't mind working for, say, a law firm, for example. In terms of writing um, style, 
This does vary and it probably depends on the size of the organization, how much they do along these lines. Some have a style guide, some actually you know, have a PDF or whatever that they send you that says, um, we like to use um, double quote marks rather than single quote marks. Um, the company name is styled like this with an ampersand and not the word and whatever. Um, you know, please use um, a percentage symbol rather than the word percents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if there's those sort of things, obviously use it. Um, if there isn't, it's actually a good idea at the start of working for organizations just to agree on some basics. I mean, you could do something like say, um, we'll follow the Economist style guide or the, the Guardians, um, which is perfectly okay. It's not so corporate perhaps, but it's really just a kind of list of preferences and the Guardians um, is, is free online. Um, so if you want something really straightforward, that's not a bad option. Um, and yeah, it is worth, worth working out how to handle numbers, which in other words means um, what numbers do you spell out um, up to 10 perhaps, and what do you put in, 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 in figure numbers? What do you percentages, words or symbol, and do you use double quotes or single quotes? Even just working out those for consistency's sake makes sense. Um, it's worth just making sure whether they want to use um, American English spelling. Um, even um, organisations based in Republic of Ireland or the UK may want to do so if they're writing something that's intended for a global audience. Um, Along those lines as well, by the way, it's worth finding out if they are trying to write for a global audience, because if they are, it makes sense to write stuff in a way that doesn't include any um, local metaphors, I suppose, as they're describing it. Um, so probably best not to use ones that involve a detailed knowledge of um, any particular sport that's not a global one, football, cricket, baseball, whatever. Essentially, trying to make your language plain and clear and not use any phrases that only work in one country or one group of countries. Um, but think of people who speak English well, but as a foreign language. Um, uh, if there is client um, published available material available, you can use that as a guide and work through that as long as they actually have goals that apply consistently. Um, as I think I've mentioned, um, if you are ghostwriting, certainly use the subjects, ideas, words, and phrases, whatever you can, wherever they work, because that, they would use them if they were writing this as well as in saying it. However, despite that, um, involved prioritised clarity over style. Um, corporate work is not the place for genius little funny phrases. You know, save the jokes, unless it's the client, unless it's, unless it's the person you're writing up, unless it's the person you talk to, you know, you're writing for. If they made the joke fine. Then, and you think it works. Um, but clarity is more, more important here than kind of saying something that's, that's witty and stylish. I know you're, you're obviously based in the UK. Did you do uh, any research on, are there any specific Irish quirks that I should be aware of that are different from uh, um, the UK I, systems at the moment? Well, I mean, as, as mentioned on, on, on the corporate work side, um, um, the Republic of Ireland is, is certainly still covered by the EU procurement rules. Um, the UK is currently following those, but may decide to change its mind at some point. So there's there's that which actually is is a good thing from um, from the point of view for the of, of, of working with the public. Um, nothing specific, but one thing that occurred to me is that um, you may well be very well placed um, to offer services to. Um, US firms with a, a European or, or you know, worldwide office um, in the Republic. Um, obviously, you know, shared language, um, 
and um, you know you might well be able to go and have personal contacts. Um, so I think there's there's potentially an advantage um, there. I mean, obviously there's lots of organisations that have significant offices, global ones in in, in London as well. But um, um, that certainly occurred to me as one with potential to look at the the, the sort of global businesses that have a, a big Republic of Ireland base as potential sources of uh, of, of work because. Yeah, I mean, it works. It works well. They've got a lot of staff there, um, so that that struck me as being an area of potential. It's not an area particularly of of, of, of difference, I guess, but certainly um, one where I mean, if I was working in the Republic of Ireland, I would I would look at them as potential, possibly potential clients. The Freelance Forum is brought to you by the Dublin Freelance Branch of the National Union of Journalists and made possible by network funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sectoral Learning and Development Programme. Music is by podsummit.com, released under a Creative Commons Zero Licence into the public domain. I'm Jared Cunningham. Thanks for listening. Take care and stay safe.